I'm your host, Matt Higgs, the FF Educator, here with the 2024 Wide Receiver Class Preview episode. We're going to break down this episode into three sections. We're going to start with an introduction to the 10 players who I have completed summer scouting reports on from the wide receiver position in the class of 2024. Section two is going to be those players that I have not yet logged a report on that I am looking forward to uh, watching this summer and or watching closely this fall. Then we're going to finish this episode up by comparing the 2024 wide receiver class at this point in time to the current dynasty landscape as well as our understanding of the 2023 class. Before we jump into things, want to do two things quickly. Remind you that the Rookie Big Board is now partnered up with Underdog, the best way to get some fantasy contest action in. I'm using it all summer long because it gives me real ADP, right? It's like mock drafting, but with a little bit of money on the line. I go in, I play the $3 contest. We host $3 contests with some bonus cash for Rookie Big Board patrons. Head on over to Underdog, download it from your iOS store or your app store. Use that promo code RBB. And it gives you 100% deposit match. So however much money you put down, you get that match. The other thing, you're going to hear me talk about the Rookie Big Board throughout this episode. So if you're not familiar with it, you can access the Rookie Big Board over at patreon.com slash rookiebigboard for just $3 a month. Let's go ahead and get into it now, our preview of the 2024 wide receiver class. Now, I mentioned it before, there's 10 players that I have logged full summer scouting reports on thus far in the process. That felt like a good stopping point for me to be able to pause and give you not only a breakdown of those 10 players, but also somewhat of an understanding now of where the wide receiver class sits at this point in time. So I'm going to kind of break it off into chunks here, and I'm going to start, of course, at the top and work my way down. Now, it's going to be pretty easy to start things off here. It's Marvin Harrison Jr. coming in at 6'3", 202 from Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr. is in a lot of ways one of the, the crown jewels of this draft class, right? And he does have the talent level, and I feel comfortable saying this now, to justify being considered as a top three, if not top two overall selection right now in next year's class, regardless of format, right? So in non-Superflex leagues, he's going to be the clear top dog at this point in time. And in Superflex leagues, it really is between Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr. at this point in time. And that is considering Drake May, Quinn Ewers, J.J. McCarthy. We'll get into the quarterbacks in a different episode. But I wanted to point that out to, to just emphasize how good Marvin Harrison Jr. is. I do think that when we get to the draft we're talking about top five overall draft capital is very much within reach for him and we're going to be talking about him in a similar way that we're talking about Jamar Chase so what makes him so special I love the way that he makes shredding top level defenses look easy he's a fluid athlete that wins well off the line of scrimmage defensive backs do struggle to keep up with him running in a straight line if he has a step on a defensive back it is over Even after the catch, he can close space quickly with the ball in his hands. He has elusiveness. He has fluidity with that yak upside. But I got to say, the most impressive trait is his ball tracking ability. All right, you can go through, watch the Ohio State uh, tape from last year. I watched Penn State, Notre Dame, Michigan, Georgia just to get started with Marvin Harrison Jr. 
and you could see him adjust very well to off-target balls. Uh, he makes late adjustments. He's able to snag balls in tight coverage, right? He feels space really well, especially along the boundary. And that ability really helps him win at all three levels of the field. And when you can win at all three levels of the field, you have very high fantasy football upside. So that's a little sneak preview of the Mar Marvin Harrison Jr. Summer Scouting Report. I'm obviously not going to read through the whole thing, but like I mentioned earlier, you do have access to that over at patreon.com slash rookie big board. So he is really in a tier of his own. He's in my franchise cornerstone tier. And then we have seven wide receivers that fall in the weekly starter tier. So weekly starter tiers are going to be your fantasy wide receiver twos and threes, right? So your top uh, 12 to 24, your 24 to 36, they're going to kind of straddle that line throughout their career. And so I have seven guys that currently fall in that projection, going to split it up into two smaller tiers here. So the first uh, smaller tier, which is going to be the higher one that I want to talk about, three wide receivers in this tier, three guys that I'm really excited about, starting with Malik Neighbors out of LSU, then Amika Buka out of Ohio State, and then Troy Franklin out of the University of Oregon. And I'm excited about these guys for different reasons. So starting here with Malik Neighbors out of LSU, 6'1", 188, high four-star recruit. And in a lot of ways, Malik Neighbors was everything that we wanted Kayshawn Boutte to be. He was the true X wide receiver in that LSU offense last year. For me, he profiles easily as a top 50 NFL draft selection, and I think there's a really good shot that he ends up going in the first round. He's an athletic wideout. He displays fluidity. He displays explosiveness, especially when working through his routes. He's really dangerous working a slant route, and he separates well right off the line of scrimmage. He maintains good body positioning throughout his route tree, and he has an ability to snag off-target passes and gain yards after the catch. He can win into the deep field, and he can win underneath on drags, outs, curls, but definitely has the ability to run an effective post route as well. He's got sticky hands, another wide receiver who brings an off-target pass as well. And what I love about him, it's almost unquantifiable, but Malik Neighbors makes it look easy. So there's a lot that I like about Malik Neighbors, and it's why he actually has a slight advantage over Ohio State's Amika Ibuka as my wide receiver two right now in the class. Now, Ibuka coming in at 6'1", 203, there is a ton to like about this highly lauded recruit. He's sneaky fast. He beats defensive backs with a step. He closes space quickly. He's got a nice release, especially off of press coverage, which he does face playing in the Big Ten at times. He often wins with a really good first step. And if you have been listening for a while to the rookie big board, you know I love when my wide receivers are able to display at the college level that they can win with a first step against press coverage off the line of scrimmage. He works the short field very well, drags out slants, and I think he's particularly effective running comeback routes. He has sharp footwork and good body positioning that allows him to attack that ball even when battling through traffic, and that definitely was on display in the Ohio State offense. Now, I don't think Igbuka has a huge highlight reel of big play catches that you're going to see from his teammate in Marvin Harrison Jr., but he absolutely catches what he's supposed to. 
Now, here's what I want to see from Amika Buka, and here's why he's my wide receiver three, where in a lot of folks' boards, uh, he is a locked-in wide receiver two. I still think he's raw. I don't see his route running as technically refined, although he does break well into his routes. They can become rounded, and I also don't see him creating space downfield, specifically downfield. I need to see Amika Igbuka be a downfield threat and be able to create space, especially in the Ohio State offense, because that's what's going to more easily translate to fantasy football relevance, right? Remember, the big difference between the rookie big board and a normal draft uh, process or a normal draft podcast or website or whatever you're looking at, everything that I'm watching when I'm scouting is channeled through the lens of fantasy football. So when I see that he's primarily winning underneath, that's a little bit of a yellow flag for me. And I know what you're saying, Matt, Marvin Harrison Jr. is playing opposite of him. He's going to, to dominate those downfield targets. That's fine. I just need to see it. I don't need to see it 40% of the game. I need to see it 15% of the game. I just need to see those traits on display. That's what I'm going to be looking for from a Mika Ibuka this upcoming season. Now, the last guy in this mini tier two, like I'm saying, splitting my, my tier of weekly starters here is Troy Franklin. And I feel like Troy Franklin is the guy getting left behind in a lot of these summer scouting discussions when you're talking about who could battle to be the wide receiver two in the 2024 draft class, right? Because that's what we're talking about with neighbors, Igbuka, Franklin, and maybe even some of these other guys that we'll mention here in a moment. We're battling for that wide receiver two position because truly wide receiver one is reserved for Marvin Harrison Jr. Now, Troy Franklin, 6'2", 170, right? Don't get too nervous with that 170. We'll circle back to that. He's dynamic, and he checks all of the boxes. I think he is the perfect candidate to be a riser, right? Talking about through the 2023 season. He wins along the boundary and over the middle of the field. I love that versatility. He displays good ball tracking ability, athleticism, and body positioning along the boundary. More often, though, you're going to see him deployed over the middle of the field, and I think that's what's going to translate to the next level as, as well. He separates consistently with speed. He has a great understanding of angles and how to find space on the field, which I love from a wide receiver prospect, and he always puts his body in a position to win. I think he's equally dangerous when he's working downfield, running post routes, and he has the ability to break off a mean slant route. Now, if you're new to the rookie big board, one big green flag that you're going to want to listen for whenever I'm talking about a wide receiver, and I've talked about this a lot, is that if they can win off of a slant route, that's something that I'm really going to appreciate from a wide receiver prospect. Now, he doesn't face a lot of press coverage. They're not going to jam you in the Pac-12, but he does win well off of off coverage, and he's able to beat those defenders with good footwork and convincing body movement. Now, his size will be a consistent knock, but I can't emphasize this enough, folks. He understands how to use his body to win. Despite the fact that he's 170, he always wins body positioning. Despite the fact that he's 170, he navigates well over the middle of the field, and he navigates well through traffic. We've seen recent draft trends that show that the NFL is willing to draft a guy who comes in at 170 with a top 50 selection, especially a guy like Troy Franklin. So when you hear me say 170, and I'm not comparing him to Devonta Smith, but I want you to understand that he is closer to Devonta Smith than he is Tutu Atwell, right? He's closer to Devonta Smith than he is Tank Dell. And I'm not knocking Atwell or Dell. I'm just trying to give you an idea of how he wins. His style, his ability to create space, understand angles, put his body in a position to win and use his athleticism and speed. It much better reflects a guy like Devonta Smith than a guy like Tutu Atwell or Tank Dell. So that's the, the end of that mini tier two here. 
Next up is going to be Xavier Worthy, and he's going to start this second, you know, mini tier within my weekly starter category, which as a reminder, right, these are my wide receiver two, three uh, type players, guys that you're going to want to have in your fantasy football lineup and that are going to make an impact in your matchups, right? So I got to tell you, when I was going into this, man, like having Xavier Worthy on a lot of my Devi rosters, uh, being familiar with Xavier Worthy, watching a lot of that 2021 film, I expected him to be much more in the conversation with Malik Neighbors than down in this category. So I did honestly leave a little disappointed, but that was relative because we had high expectations coming off of massive production in his true freshman season at Texas. 6'1", 160, so smaller even than Troy Franklin. Worthy does have an explosive skill set, and this is the reason we're going to, you know, I know I'm starting with a little bit of a cautionary approach here but I want to point out like there is a lot that I like about Xavier Worthy and it starts with that explosive skill set he works well along the boundary and along the seam and I think that's important that we see him work well along the seam in his college tape because that is more likely to be where he's going to be deployed at the next level all right speed explosiveness before the catch he's got a sharp first step he accelerates well through the middle of the field he displays that ability to win through the second level of the field on post corner routes and on vertical routes, all right? He can display yards. Uh, he displays the ability to gain yards, I should say, after the catch using quickness, using elusiveness, and using good field vision. I like the way Worthy is able to move east and west along the, the field as well as north and south. That gives some versatility to his game. And in a, with a creative-minded NFL play caller, that could really give him some good fantasy upside. Now, playing along the boundary, he does display good body positioning. And although he isn't able to consistently show it in his 2022 tape, you can, going back to 2021, see him beat defensive backs one-on-one -on -one off the line of scrimmage and accelerate really well deep downfield for home run play touchdowns. All right, so a lot to like about Xavier Worthy here. And you have to understand there was a little bit of quarterback rotation with Texas last year. Year two for a quarterback in a Steve Sarkeesian offense is usually a big year moving forward. So hopefully Quinn Ewers gets that together and that is able to benefit Xavier Worthy. You could definitely tell watching that tape last year that Xavier Worthy and Quint Ewers were not consistently on the same page. So hopefully with a whole offseason able to develop that chemistry, uh, develop that partnership, they're going to be able to show off Xavier Worthy a little bit more. All right, next guy up here is Keon Coleman out of Florida State. I definitely like Keon Coleman. 6'4", 210, dual sport athlete, played basketball uh, as well. So 6'4", 210, was at Michigan State, and now he is transferred over to Florida State. Uh, and when you watch Keon Coleman, you're going to see a highlight reel that will catch the eye of every front office scout. He's got big play boundary ability. And for a guy coming in at 6'4", and I do feel like that's a true 6'4", he's got great athleticism to pair with that size. Now, if the NFL draft happened tomorrow, I don't think he's a top 50 pick, but the NFL draft doesn't happen tomorrow. He's got a full season at Florida State with primetime eyes to be able to work his way into a top 50 draft selection, and I do believe that's ultimately where he gets to because he's fluid and athletic, navigating well around the field. He will primarily line up along the boundary, but he's effective working comeback routes, outs, corners, and goes. 
All right, he will maintain good body positioning along the sidelines and in contested catch situations. He's got good concentration catching the ball in traffic. So these traits that I'm listing off here, right, they all check the boxes for a boundary X receiver. And for fantasy football, that's a big green flag, right? When we're able to see a guy who may project as a boundary X type wide receiver, that tells us touchdowns, that tells us volume, and that tells us potentially a, a a deeper yards per reception, right? A higher yards per reception, however you want to say that. He's a willing blocker, so he will hold his assignments well through the end of a play. And he's not a burner, but he does display good long speed. So again, checking a lot of boxes along the boundary. Keon Coleman's definitely somebody who could be a big riser here. So that's why he's at the bottom of the weekly starter tier, but you definitely could see him closer to the top heading into next season. Talking about guys who can profile as true X's, let's go ahead and transition to Bo Collins. 6'3", 195, playing for Clemson. Now, Bo Collins didn't transfer into a new offense this offseason, but for all intents and purposes, he might as well have, right? So he didn't transfer institutions, but he does get a new head coach in Garrett Riley coming over from TCU. And if you're not familiar with Garrett Riley, you can think about him in two ways, right? High-octane offense that was able to elevate TCU to get to the national championship game, which is an impressive feat all on its own. But you could also consider that Garrett Riley's offense was so good that it convinced a lot of people that Quentin Johnston was a good fantasy football draft pick to make, right? Playing along the boundaries. So the, all, the, all the tools are there for Bo Collins to uh, have a similar rise in fantasy football value. So let's talk about Bo Collins here. He combines physicality with athleticism. He releases well. He uses aggressive hands in a convincing first step. He's fluid working through his routes, especially working into the deep field on corner routes, post routes, vertical routes. Collins displays the ability to cut a solid slant and has a good comeback route as well. So that's very complimentary to his ability to win deep field, especially thinking about his ability to play along the boundary. Ball tracking ability. If nothing else from Bo Collins, ball tracking ability is what you want to get from this breakdown here. He reacts well to off-target passes, and he maintains concentration very well working through traffic. He shows the ability to win consistently in contested catch situations. And here's what's important. He doesn't rely on his size to win in those contested catch situations. He uses physicality and handwork to create space to win over defensive backs. He doesn't wait for the catch point. He does it before the catch point. And that is really important. A lot to like about Bo Collins. And the last player that we're going to talk about here in this mini tier of guys that could certainly rise significantly in value over the 2023 season is Antoine Wells Jr. out of the University of South Carolina. You might hear him called Juice Wells. All right. So 6-1-2-10, Juice Wells actually transferred in last season from then-FCS James Madison, where he played his first collegiate season, and then heads to the Gamecocks and immediately dominates the production in that USC offense. So Wells, he's a really unique skill set, and it, i got to be honest with you, it gets me excited because it doesn't fit a particular mold, and I think the NFL is, is appreciating that more and more here. Uh, given you know the recent draft trends over the last, let's say, five years. So Wells, he's speedy and a fluid mover who finds space before and after the catch. He's got reliable hands. He often, 
and I want to emphasize he often has to utilize his good ball tracking ability while trying to uh, react to passes from Spencer Rattler, especially underthrown balls. He gets a lot of good practice reacting well to underthrown balls. He's got sharp footwork, and he works well through his routes to get into space. His comeback route is convincing, and it's really dangerous when paired with his go ball ability. He is a legitimate yak threat, and so that's why I mentioned that versatility because he's going to play long, uh, play well along the boundary, but he's also going to be able to work well with the ball in his hands after the catch. He's elusive, he's got contact bounce, and he's got good vision with the ball in his hands after the catch. He's scrappy, right? He's going to fight for every yard through the end of the play. He's got physical hands, and he's willing to battle in contested catch situations. So that well-rounded, versatile skill set, whatever you want to call it, it gives him a really high floor. Now the key is, is he going to be able to continue to dominate and show some more pure X traits, right? So we're talking about more consistent contested catch ability, more consistent or, or pure athletic ability, right? To, and, and be able to demonstrate that along the boundary. That's what's going to help him kind of rise up and be more in the conversation of Troy Franklin Xavier Worthy. But nonetheless, I still think he's in the conversation of being a top 100 draft pick right now. And that comes with fantasy football value. So next, I want to talk about two other guys who fall in my flex filler range. Um, and so they you know, weren't quite on the same mark as some of these other guys that we've talked about, but they do have hype and they are names worth knowing. So I want to first talk about Washington's Roma Dunze. Roma Dunze, 6'3", 211. I got to say, you know, he was getting a lot of hype. And so he was actually the first wide receiver I watched this year. And I didn't come away impressed in the way that I expected to based on all the hype that I was seeing. So I think if you squint hard, you can understand where the upside is with Roma Dunze's tape, right? But I honestly, like I said, I walked away a little bit more confused than I wanted to. His profile feels mismatched. And this is something that I'll talk about a lot with a prospect. And it doesn't often come across in mainstream draft narrative. But I think it's really important to think about, right? It leaves him vulnerable to being considered a tweener. And when folks are, are mismatched or a tweener, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't tend to equal fantasy football value. So let's get into that a little bit more, right? He presents short area agility and the ability to run well with the ball in his hands. He's a reliable target when working in the field in short routes. And particularly when the ball is presented on target, he does release well off of off coverage. Where I struggle with Adunze, though, is that he struggles to separate consistently when working downfield and through traffic. Uh, he wasn't really featured as a one-on-one -on -one or a jump ball or a boundary threat consistently. Now, that may be scheme-related, but... Washington did make a point to get him the ball in other ways, just closer to the line of scrimmage. And so when you see a guy who's 6'3", 211, but he's not being used downfield, he's being used close to the line of scrimmage, that may work for the college offense and that college scheme, but he has to be able to win deep downfield to be able to be productive at the NFL level, right? Because when he's being utilized near the line of scrimmage at the NFL level, the, de the defensive uh, front seven is going to be a lot bigger, all right, space is going to be a lot tighter in the NFL, and that that uh, schemed ability, that manufactured space, it's just not going to be there in the same ways. Those safeties are going to be coming down way harder, right? And so that's what I talk about when, I, when I'm talking about this, this tweener prospect, right? So I want to be clear. I'm far from out on a Dunze. I'm just not on the hype train yet, and he's in my flex filler tier, right? And flex filler tier is your 
Lower end wide receiver threes. So like, you know, think wide receiver 32 to 36 and your wide receiver fours. Now these are guys you need on your fantasy football roster, right? Because even if they don't plug right into your starting lineup, you need bench depth as injuries and buys begin to pile up. So flex filler wide receivers are still important, but I just want to, you know, clarify that's where I see Roma Dunze right now. And another guy that I see in this range, but uh, who I, you know, did really enjoy watching his tape. So it's not a knock on his tape. I just think he's got a little bit different route to fantasy relevance is Western Kentucky's Malachi Corley, 5'11", 210. Now, I do hesitate to get too far into the group of five during summer scouting because you never know, but Corley is a senior, so it is, you know, it's it's going he's going to go to the NFL draft. Sometimes with a group of five guys, even if they look great, they're going to come back for another year. Corley doesn't have that option, so he's heading to the NFL next year. And what I like about him is he's got that necessary skill set, right, to be that next guy out of the G5 drafted in the top 100. And we've seen over the last couple of years that, you know, Rashi Rice, Sky Moore, the NFL is not afraid to draft guys from the G5 in the top 100. I want him to land in a scheme, though, that has a creative play caller because that's going to give him some good fantasy football impact upside. Corley speeds up quickly and displays the ability to make an impact immediately off the line of scrimmage. I should point out here, 5'11", 210, so pretty good size. He saw a lot of targets near the line of scrimmage. They weren't manufactured into space, though. I want to clarify that because if you've been listening to the Rookie Big Board for a while, you know that I don't prefer wide receivers who get manufactured targets at the college level at a high uh, high pace, right? So think of a guy like Rondale Moore. That was somebody that I really faded because that manufactured production doesn't translate well. However, I want to emphasize Malachi Corley, although he was being given the ball near the line of scrimmage, he was catching the ball in traffic. He was catching the ball through hits, all right? And he had to manufacture manufacture space quickly after making that catch and he did that on his own he created that space all right he used good contact balance good vision elusiveness and really reliable hands to be able to catch the ball through contact he displays those reliable hands through the mid and deep field as well and if the ball wasn't on target he was going to bring it in all right he's not afraid to stretch out and use a long frame to make an attempt on off-target passes sometimes his quarterback austin reed just flew it out there a little bit too far but the effort was there and you could see that length in that frame on display now western kentucky also got creative they used him on end arounds they gave him pitches they had him taking handoffs from next to the quarterback in shotgun formation and when he got that ball he displayed good field vision He displayed the ability to get to speed quickly, and he displayed some subtle elusiveness with the ball in his hands. You know, if you were just flipping on the tape and you watched him take a handoff, you wouldn't think he was a wide receiver. He displays the ability to be a legitimate G5 runner, and I think that versatility will translate to the next level. Now, you're going to see Corley's tape, and you're going to see him run a pretty basic route tree. I mean, folks, we're talking about drag post out, right? So for all the creativeness that goes with his handoffs, you're not going to get a lot of creativeness with those routes. Now, that's not unique to Malachi Corley. That's the way Western Kentucky air raid offense. I mean, it is a pure, true air raid offense. So he's not going to be asked to run complicated routes. So it's hard to knock him on that. Um, But of course, it will be a question as he's going through the pre-draft process. So with Corley right now, the reason he's a little bit lower is I do... You know, for for a G5 guy that, you know, he's not showing all the routes, you know, I'm going to have him start off as an early day three selection. But if he does end up getting that day two draft capital, then he's going to end up being a higher level flex filler or maybe even sneaking into the weekly starter tier. So definitely still somebody that, 
you know, you're going to want to keep your eye on and definitely still somebody who's worth keeping uh, a watch for through the 2023 season. You know, you might not initially think, oh, Western Kentucky can't wait to flip on that offense here uh, and, and watch watch them play. But there are legitimate NFL draft and Debbie prospects, you know, playing at the G5 level. And I think Malachi Corley is a really good example of that. So those are the players that I've actually watched. I've broken down the film on. There are other players that are very much relevant NFL draft prospects that I want to make sure to mention. I'm not snubbing them. I can only get to so much tape at once, and I didn't want to wait too long before putting out a preview episode to give you an idea of what the class looks like. So other players that are on the rookie big board here from the wide receiver position that I'm excited to get into this summer, J. Michael Sturdivant, formerly of Cal, 6'3", 205, transferring to UCLA this year. Jermaine Burton, 6'0", 200, formerly of Georgia, transferred to Alabama last year, did not live up to the hype. We, I'll put myself in this category, a lot of folks thought he was going to be a first-round selection this past year. Once he clicked at Alabama, it just never clicked. So let's see if it ends up clicking. Another guy who didn't click at Alabama, Treshawn Holden, you know, transfers to Oregon. I'm not sure if he's going to be declaring in this upcoming year, but he is eligible, and he's certainly somebody to keep your eye on. Brew McCoy out of Tennessee, 6'3", 220. You know, with uh, both Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman off to the NFL, Brew McCoy now has a chance to be that next experienced Tennessee wide receiver to be featured in this offense, right? Two years ago was Velas Jones. Last year was Cedric Tillman, Jalen Hyatt. Can it be Brew McCoy this year? It absolutely could be. He's got physicality and boundary ability. Mario Williams, 5'9", 186 at a USC. Both Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett have transferred into Georgia, so they're going to get a lot of primetime action. Jacob Cowing, 5'11", 170 out of Arizona. Cowing is a guy who may not declare this year, but he also might if he gets hot enough. Transferring into Alabama's Malik Benson, 6'1", 195. I like Dorian Singer, transferred out of Arizona, now at USC. If he ends up being like the dude in the USC offense at 6'1", 185, then he's definitely going to see himself rise into the NFL draft conversation. Um, Next up, Dante Cephas, 6'1", 178, transferring into Penn State. I think he's got a great chance to uh, get himself on the NFL draft radar. You got guys like Ladd McConkey out of Georgia. You know, you got guys like Johnny Wilson out of Florida State. I'm not going to read off of the entire rookie big board list here, uh, but that gives you an idea here that although I talked about 10 guys, you know, we're probably going to get to the point here by the start of the season where I've got tape reviews on 15 to 18 of them, you know, just trying to be realistic getting into the season. So there's a lot to like about the wide receiver position. Let's talk about it here in the context of Dynasty and Devi, right? And one thing that's so cool that I'm, I'm so excited about with the most recent update with the Rookie Big Board is there is a view you can use, there's a tab you can use where you can actually see the value of the 2024 class right next to in the same list directly compared with the same value rating as current dynasty players as well as dynasty players or devi players i should say all the way to to incoming freshmen right so it's a really comprehensive board now and you could really get an idea of how classes compare to each other now Thinking about the wide receiver class overall, it's going to be considered a strong fantasy class because it's got that 
anchor, that gem in Marvin Harrison Jr., right? So that's going to be much higher than, say, Jordan Addison and Jackson Smith and Jigba from last year. Although I like Jordan Addison, although I like Jackson Smith and Jigba, Marvin Harrison Jr. is on a different tier. It's in that franchise cornerstone tier. That's not a tier that I give out very easily. Even go back to the year before, I loved Chris Olave. Remember, he was my wide receiver one. And I really, you know, highly coveted Drake London, Garrett Wilson as well. Those guys were much closer in rating to guys like Jordan Addison, Jackson Smith, and Jigba. Marvin Harrison Jr. is well above them at this point in time. Now, when you drop down to that second tier of guys I was talking about, even the top of it, right? Think about the top of it, Amike Ibuka, Troy Franklin, uh, and Malik Neighbors. Those guys are more in the Jordan S and Jackson Smith and Jigba value range, right? So they're probably going to end up falling in rookie drafts, super flex rookie drafts, and maybe that like 105 to 110 range. That's the type of value we're talking about. Still very valuable, um, but you know, a little bit of a teardrop here from Marvin Harrison Jr. So what's very likely to happen in your drafts next year is you get a Caleb Williams coming off the board first and then a conversation between a quarterback and then uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. And then Brock Bowers will be in this discussion with some of those tier two wide receivers. And then when you get into some of that, that next group of uh, that smaller tier, right? So that Xavier Worthy, Keon Coleman, Bo Collins group, then you're going to be, you know, starting to talk about guys who are going to be at the the turn of the second round, and I think we're going to end up with a draft class here where you're going to get some good value at the turn of the second round in the wide receiver position. It kind of reminds me, and maybe it's lazy because I just mentioned Bo Collins' name, but it kind of reminds me of like how T. Higgins was a huge value at the turn of the second round in his draft class. Oh, geez, that'd be going back, what, to 2021 now? Uh, if I'm doing my years correctly, I guess we've been doing this for a while, folks, here at the Rookie Big Board. So there you go. There is your preview to the 2024 wide receiver class. Now, certainly, folks, a lot is going to change heading into the college football season. Over the next few months, there's going to be names that aren't even on the rookie big board right now that become relevant. They come out of seemingly nowhere. It happens every year, and it's so much fun. And there's going to be guys whose tape I really liked, and they're going to come out in 2023, and they're going to disappoint, and their draft stock's going to plummet. But that's what makes this fun. I hope from this episode, what you got is an idea of where the value of the class is and an idea of which players that you want to keep an ear out for, keep an eye out for as you're watching college football this Saturday, but here, or this uh, college football Saturdays this upcoming season. But what I want you to know and want you to understand is that the rookie big board is going to be here throughout the season. You know, our in-season coverage, man, it, it, you know, we pop on on Mondays, and we talk about the big impact Devi risers, draft risers, positives, negatives. As soon as they happen, I give you previews who to watch for the next week. So it's always fun, but it's quick action. It's 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 hard to keep up with sometimes because it moves so quickly. So that's why these preview episodes are so good. So the goal here is now to get into enough running backs where we can do a running back preview. We'll do a quarterback preview. And I uh, gotta be honest, tight ends probably won't get their own episode, but you can absolutely see their summer scouting reports if you head on over to patreon.com slash rookie big board and again just three dollars a month folks as always i appreciate you checking out this episode of the rookie big board